The following podcast contains adult themes, gritty details from true crimes, and naughty language. Listener discretion is advised. There's no time now. I began five years ago, in secret, working all night, every night, right into the dawn. A thousand experiments, a thousand failures, and then, at last, the great wonderful day. Hey there, hottest Italians. It is your friend Edward here. Last week, we debuted Secret Story Time. Now that, for those of you uninitiated, is part of our new Hottest Hell Presents Patreon page, created just for spooky nerds and creepy geniuses. My co-host Kimberly and I, we come across too many amazing, jaw-dropping, or worldview-changing pieces of history to showcase them all as a part of our monthly competition show, but that doesn't mean they don't genuinely deserve to be told. We desperately want to share these tales with y'all, especially in dark times, when we could all use some fun distraction. And Secret Story Time, well, it allows us to do just that. Secret Stories can and do drop several times a month without warning and are fully scored, researched, and fact-checked just like the ones in our usual podcast. The Patreon is also a place where all of our bonus materials go to live. I'm talking about photos and videos, the things that complement our regular episodes. Now, since Patreon cost a few bucks, money that helps make this show possible, by the way, we we thought we'd share our very first secret story time with all y'all. No cost, so you can see what you're getting when you subscribe to support our work. Now, Kimberly did a killer job with this one, which comes to you all the way from the favela of Rio, Brazil, and will probably have you yelling at your iPhone by the end of it. Hit play, see what you think. And if you like it, head on over to our Patreon. We've got different tiers of $3, $7, and our $17 VIP subscriber. You can choose from either, so you can work with your budget. And if you hate it, well, you should probably talk to a therapist, because something's wrong. This one's really great, so the problem is you. Thanks as always, and we hope to see you over in Secret Story Time. Episode 6 of Hottest Hell Presents, which hopefully you've already heard, covered religious cults getting weird in Louisiana. And while we loved spotlighting the revenge killings of Lafayette's Church of Sacrifice, uh, plus the nightmarish rituals of Ponchatoula's Hosanna Church, we've been so excited about this secret story time because holy shit, uh, is this bonus cult story amazing? Just uh, get a snack, pour a drink, get into it. If you like caperinas, now would be a really good time to make one. Edward, can can you take us to Brazil, baby? No, no, something mellower. Think coastal. There we go. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 
Nestled between turquoise Atlantic waves and tropical mountains, the city is one of the great cultural gems of the Southern Hemisphere. Its famed Christ the Redeemer statue, a giant sculpture of Jesus Christ looking ready to take flight over the rooftops of Rio, stands sentry above the city from its position atop Corcovado Mountain, one of the new seven wonders of the world. The city is home to vibrant carnival celebrations, a tropical biosphere, the Copacabana Beach, and a million or so Brazilians. In the early 1970s, young Flor de Lis dos Santos de Souza was one of those Brazilians. A sweet, spirited little girl, she had spent her early days struggling in one of Rio's infamous northern favelas, an area plagued by poverty and violence. Her father and brother were killed in a car accident when Flor de Lis was just 14, leaving the remaining family more desperate than ever. Heartbroken and without hope, Flor de Lis devoted her life to Christ, training under her mother as an evangelical pastor and teacher. As part of her commitment to the church, Flor de Lis sang gospel in the choir, accompanied her mother as a musician, and did it all very well. It wasn't long before this beautiful, vivacious, devoted daughter of Christ began climbing out of the favela and up the evangelical ladder. As gifted a singer as Flor de Lis was, her true passion was helping children. She doted on, taught, fundraised for, and preached about them. She had three biological children of her own. Around age 30, she adopted five more, all teens and preteens from impoverished areas like her own, giving them a good home, a place in a moral Christian community, and a family to belong to. She married a pastor several years later, then founded a missionary group which helped provide meals for orphans. Word of her good deeds and selfless acts spread throughout Rio, and by the early 2000s, Flor de Lis was ministering as a headliner and soloist at tent revival shows, revivals with hundreds of congregants. Gospel albums and inspiring music videos, all produced by the biggest Christian music label in the country, came next. Her congregation doubled, then tripled in size. Someone suggested she'd be perfect for political office, an idea which translated into a wildly successful run under the conservative Social Democrat Party. She was elected a federal deputy, which is sort of like a congresswoman, with more votes than any other female candidate in 2018. She and her husband posted photos with President Bolsonaro and other powerful men on their social media accounts, smiling the whole time. Not yet 60, the poor girl from the favela had become a celebrated lawmaker, musician, minister, mother, wife, and a fixture in the Brazilian evangelical community. Her Instagram account alone reached nearly one million followers. Her concert sold out, and devotees threw money at her ministry. And then, in 2019, it all came crashing down. But let's back up a little, because the full details of this rags-to-church-riches story are so complex, so utterly insane. We need to go over them carefully, lest you think we are making this shit up. Before the singer turned politicians' government success, but after Rio began noticing her rising evangelical force, Fleur de Lis adopted 37 children at once. 
It was an act of deeply Christian altruism so extreme it seemed almost tailor-made for the media. And they ate it right up. One morning, I woke to a great uproar in my house. When my husband and I opened the door, we were astounded. There were 37 kids and teenagers fleeing a killing at the train station. And that is how my story of many adoptions started, Florida Lee told interviewers at the time. Yes, you heard right. Along with the singer's husband, biological offspring, and previously adopted children, Florida Lee took in nearly 40 teens and tweens fleeing a shooting and legally adopted all of them. This brought her brood to a total of 51, a Brazilian Brady Bunch just perfect for TV and magazine features on good Christian families. Which brings us to Mr. Florida Lee. Anderson de Carmo was one of Florida Lee's original five adopted children taken into the family in 1991 when he was 14 and she 30. A few years later, Anderson began dating Florida Lee's biological daughter, Simone. This was a little culturally uncouth, sure, but not incest and certainly not unheard of in large evangelical communities. But then Anderson and Simone broke up and Florida Lee stepped in to pick up the pieces with her vagina. Anderson and Fleur de Lis were married in 1998. In 1999, the pair founded Fleur de Lis Ministries together, with Anderson named lead pastor for the organization. Now, the story starts to get a little fuzzy here. As a major celebrity, Fleur de Lis has been no stranger to gossip rag reports and plenty of slander. However, the following details have been shared by the police in addition to the media. And the media outlets reporting them include the Rio Times, the BBC, and Globo News. So, not exactly TMZ. While not all are confirmed at this time in a court of law, they are at least plausible enough that they're allegedly being used in a legal case we're about to tell you all about. Apparently, Fleur de Lis and Anderson divided the family along a timeline. Children born or adopted before the mass adoption in the mid-2000s lived and slept in the main building on the family property. They enjoyed nice meals, high-end clothing, and access to plenty of modern tech. They rode around in their parents' luxury armored vehicle and were given prime seating at church services. They also enjoyed a close relationship with Florida Lee and Anderson, amongst other preferential treatment. The dozens of adopted children were put to work as unpaid laborers within the ministry. They were fed what is described as, quote, meal rations of only fish, stale bread, and old sausages, and slept in crowded dormitories. They were subjected to beatings if they sinned or displeased their adoptive parents, and had to compete for attention or alone time with the main family unit. If they questioned why they were being treated differently from the rest of the family, the adoptees were allegedly told their faith was not yet strong enough and God could not yet reward them. One account even details purification rituals, including dressing in white and fasting for days. According to the Rio Times, sexual fuckery abounded, with Fleur de Lis reportedly offering her biological daughter Simone as a sexual offering to a visiting Pentecostal dignitary. Fleur de Lis and Anderson also attended swingers clubs as a couple and were spotted at one establishment close to the Christ the Redeemer statue more than once. 
rumors floated around that Anderson was sleeping with one of his adopted daughters. And one of the biological sons, a pastor, had taken multiple adopted daughters as sexual partners in addition to his legal wife, who was also one of the church's pastors. An adopted son claimed that he had been made to have sex with Florida Lee to cleanse his sin. Embezzlement of church donations, strange religious services, and hours of rigorous prayer were all part of the daily routine at Casa de Flor de Lee. Locals even whispered that some of the adopted children had been kidnapped, not legally acquired. At some point, heated arguments over money began between Flor de Lee and Anderson. Some accounts say Anderson was advocating for the poorly treated adoptees, chastising his wife for her preferential treatment of the biological children. Others say Anderson was the one who was out of control, spending like a madman and squandering the church's funds on luxury items. If police have the story right, at some point, Fleur Delis approached several of her children for help with her husband. Law enforcement alleges that several members of the main family unit and a few adopted children began spiking Anderson's food with arsenic in May 2018. Investigators even found Google searches on one daughter's computer, including cyanide in food and also how to poison. But either Google lied or the poisoning failed. Six different time, Anderson's food or drink was allegedly tainted, and six different times either he didn't eat it or one of the adopted children did. Apparently, the adopted family members who ate the cyanide got violently ill but lived. Which brings us to 2019. Late on the night of June 16th, Anderson de Carmo was shot 30 times at the family home in Rio. The majority of the bullets passed through his thighs and groin, as if the shooters had been aiming there specifically. Family members reported to police that they had found the body early in the morning upon waking. Assassinations of politicians and their loved ones are, sadly, super common in Brazil. And so no one was particularly surprised when news broke that a congresswoman's husband had been executed. The Flor de Lis family painfully must communicate the sudden passing of Pastor Anderson de Carmo, a servant of Jesus Christ. The deputy Flor de Lis is presently too distraught to comment on the situation publicly. At this moment, we hold the hand of God and beg for his comfort. Pastor Anderson was fulfilling a marvelous ministry, redeeming souls in the fight against hate due to an absence of God. Today is a tough Sunday in our lives, and we ask for the prayers of everyone, a representative for Florida Lee told the media the day after the shooting. But shit hit the fan shortly thereafter. After an exhaustive and very public raid on the family home, six of Florida Lee's children, one granddaughter, and two other men were arrested on suspicion of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Fleur de Lis was not arrested due to immunity associated with her government position. Seriously. Police have actually had to write to Parliament and ask that the law protecting government officials from police investigation be changed just so they can charge Fleur de Lis for the murder of her own husband, who used to be her son, 
As if all of this wasn't dramatic enough, Brazilian police took the case very seriously. So serious that they gave it its own cinematic code name. Operation Luke 12. This is a reference to the biblical chapter in which Jesus tells his disciples, quote, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms proclaimed from the roofs, end quote. It's a little heavy handed, but you got to admit that is dramatic nonetheless. The conclusion the investigation reached was this. Florida planned this cowardly murder, homicide chief Antonio Ricardo Limo Nunes told reporters after the arrests. Investigators state that it was Florida's biological son Flavio who fired the shots which killed his stepfather, and that he used a gun purchased by Lucas Cesar, one of the adopted children. The investigation demonstrated that Ms. de Souza's image of altruism and decency was merely a ploy to gain wealth and political power, Police Commissioner Alan Duarte said of the case. Florida Lee has vehemently denied all of these allegations, from murder to preferential treatment of certain children to the weird, culty, sexy, religious stuff. Still free and still legally untouchable, she has retained her seat as a lawmaker and is active on social media currently. Most recently, she shared posts urging people to pray for COVID sufferers in Brazil and communicating continued grief over her deceased husband. She stated in a September 2019 interview that she and her husband had enjoyed his final night on earth together, walking on Copacabana Beach, kissing like teenagers, and eventually having sex on the hood of their car right outside their home. After the car sex, she alleges she went inside to shower and sleep and was not woken by the hail of gunfire which blew her husband's dick off. Not everyone buys her story, for what it's worth. Leo Moda, a right-wing congressman and former police officer, has suggested she be thrown out of office. Quote, Given the avalanche of evidence against Congresswoman Florida Lee, it is clear she cannot remain in the position to which she was elected, Mota, who is also a gospel singer, argued in an official document calling for her resignation. As of this month, October 2020, the case of Florida Lee and her executed son-turned-husband-turned-pastor is still under investigation. With a family of 55-ish, there's been a lot of interviewing for detectives to do. Brazilian tabloids release new scandalous details about the family and its cult-like system of operation every few weeks, all of which Flor de Lee denies. I need to know who killed my husband. I don't know. If I knew, I would speak here now. Whoever killed my husband is disgracing my life. I am not hiding anything she told SBT News. I am not prepared to be arrested, and I will not be, because I am innocent, and my innocence will be proved. We'll find out soon enough, we guess.